Hello friends and welcome to episode 14 of Journals of a Journeyman Bard. Coming to you live-ish from my kitchen. It is December 29th and it's just after 10pm. It has been a while, hasn't it? Um, I guess life has been true to form for 2020. On the 18th, Henna, the oldest of the dogs, turned 12 and on the 19th, she had two epileptic seizures, which she'd never had before. I have been trying very hard, very, very hard not to be a helicopter mum. I have an epilepsy journal printed out where I note daily observations. We've had blood taken to see if there was a problem, but the vet can't seem to pinpoint anything. And it's Weird, because she hadn't had any issues since, so we are just hoping that it was a one-time thing. But at the same time, you want to prepare, because if I'm at work and she has a seizure, I want her to be, like, safe and not be able to fall and hurt herself, so I have to now crate her in a padded crate um, whenever I, like, leave the house. It's a bit of added stress for both me and her, but I mean, at least she's happy and playing and healthy for now. I guess I'll take that. But then my roof started to leak again. Yay! I'm currently waiting for January 4th when the roofers open again after their holiday break. And I'm getting quite sick of having like bowls and buckets in the living room trying to catch the drips. So yeah, I'm so ready to be done with 2020 and all the shit it has carried in with it. Um, but let's talk about something that doesn't carry endless loads of frustration. Let's talk stories. And the story I want to discuss today is one I have carried with me ever since I first heard it on June 7th of 2019 in episode 651 of Pseudopod. The story is called The Coven of Dead Girls by Le Erin Ogle, narrated by Nika Harper, masterfully narrated by Nika Harper, I want to add. And it was then reprinted in The Year's Best Dark Fantasy and Horror, Volume 1. Um, and we'll... If you haven't heard this story, I would strongly suggest you go and listen to that one first. I have included a link in the show notes, of course. I will try to not have spoilers in the episode, but I don't know how successful that will be. Um, but yeah, go on and listen, just to make sure. I will wait. Okay, did you listen? Because there's no turning back now. Oh, who am I kidding? There's always turning back. You can just hit a pause, can't you? Um, so this story stopped me in my tracks when I first listened to it. I literally stood there and like gasped for air. Um, and I've lost count of how many times I've listened to it by now. I always do the audio version because I love the way Nika Harper brings the story to life. I mean, it's masterfully written, but Nika Harper's narration adds to it in ways I wouldn't have believed possible until I listened to this story. Um, so, yeah, 
it's also one of the stories that made me think, wow, I really want to do this too. I want to learn how to bring stories to life. And shortly after that, I sent an audition file to the other stories and the rest is history, as they say. But we digress. I I have sat with this story for so long and it's still very, very hard for me to put into words how it affects me and how I feel about it, what thoughts it provokes, which is so weird. So the story opens when the protagonist enters a new home that he bought. And it's actually not told from his POV, but from that of a nameless witness, seemingly forgotten by all but the others like her. Um, they're ghosts living in the house and their bones are hidden within the walls. Um, so there are 16 girls in the house the victims of a serial killer, and they are filled with frustration and rage against the guy who killed them, but also the world who didn't look for them hard enough, I suppose. And I guess they kind of feel betrayed, because at first the narrator says she doesn't quite know why she and the others resent the protagonist, Maybe it's in part because they feel like he's wasting what they lost, or to be precise, what was stolen from them. But then there's mention of the others who came before him, and I kind of think there's no way all of those people um, that were driven off by the ghosts were all, like, wasting their life and their potential. Um... So maybe it's more of a sense of unfairness in them that their life and future was taken while the inhabitants get to keep theirs and live their lives. Or perhaps it is indeed anger and frustration with the world that didn't look for them hard enough, failed to find them, either before or after their death. I think it's a question that is going to be interpreted differently by everyone reading the story or listening to it, in that it's one of those things that can be heavily coloured by our own experiences and by our own outlook. If you listened to the story, or if you're going to listen to it after this episode, um, do let me know your thoughts, because it's something that I'm quite curious about. But let's get back to the story. At one point, the narrator, who refers to herself as 12, says that Eleven will have her bones crushed beneath a collapsing wall, but she doesn't care. And 12 finds this hard to understand. She finds it demeaning and sort of... She, she feels that they're worth more than that. But the fact that they know this is going to happen leads me to think that maybe the ghosts can look into the future? I don't know. Um, but they do know about their killer and about his existence now in a nursing home. Apparently they, um, they've visited him and they also know that his mother doesn't rest peacefully in her grave. So they're not literally bound to this place and time. I sort of think. And yet, they're there. Or 
Is it that they can maybe only venture into times and places that are tied to what was done to them? Is it the injustice that binds these girls? The anonymity of where they are and the fact that they have not been found? In the end, they long for the protagonist who lives in what they... Oh, sorry. It is getting late. Where was I? Right. They long for the protagonist, I was going to say, to see them, to know they're there. Um, and then when 12 manages to scorch the drywall and the wallpaper, she literally begs to be found. But if she could see the future, if she could see into the future in terms of Eleven's bones being crushed beneath a wall, how can she not see where her dis where discovery of their bodies will lead? Maybe she's so bound up in her pain and grief and fury that she can't look beyond that to the end of her existence in the house. Or perhaps it's that that pain and anger are all that she's known for so long and it's the one familiar thing she can cling to. Perhaps... It's not so much that she can't see what would happen, but that it was too scary to look that far ahead um, and to think of releasing that anger and pain that have become an integral part of her. In the end, the story revolves around these cycles of pain, of having pain inflicted on oneself and then in turn lashing out and inflicting it on others again and again and again. Um, and it's something that, to some extent, we could all fall into. Um, of course, the hurts done to us in no way compare to the events described in the story. But who here hasn't felt wounded or hurt in an argument and lashed out in turn with the thought of nothing other than retaliation and not even necessarily at the right person. Um, it's something that is very, very recognizable to me. And that alone would be enough for me to love this story. But the final paragraph with Twelve's frantic scrabble to cling to anything she can grabs me by the throat every single time, no matter how often I listen to the story, um, it just, it stops me in my tracks. If I'm listening to it and I'm out on a walk, I literally like falter and pause and go, <gasps> shit. And that effect has yet to fade for me, even though I listened to it three times in short succession in preparation for this episode. It's one of those I think that I will be carrying with me for a very, very, very long time to come. And I would strongly advise checking out any other uh, stories written by Erin. Um, she's an amazing, amazing writer. And if she publishes a book, I am so going to buy it. I will include links in the show notes to her website, her Twitter account, and to at least one other story by her that I absolutely love. Now, she is a nurse working in an emergency department in the United States, and she is 
right there on the front lines fighting COVID in a hospital that is swamped. And she, along with a friend, fellow writer and ICU nurse, have actually started a newsletter about their experiences in the front lines of the fight against COVID. And that too is something I have, well, I can't say I've enjoyed it, um, but it's been enlightening to follow. It's heartbreaking at times, but also very, very, very much worth a follow. Um, so yeah, I hope you will check this story out. No, correction. I hope you already have checked it out. Um, because despite my good intentions to not have spoilers in the episode, I had spoilers in the episode. But you've got to listen to this story. You've got to, if you have trouble processing audio, there's a text version on Pseudopod as well. But, oh, the narration is so, so, so good. I definitely advise the audio version if that is at all possible for you. Um, let me know what you think of the story and I will talk to you again soon. But for now, it's getting late and I have to get to bed because I've got work in the morning. So bye-bye, friends, and good night.